Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, I want to just say uh, a couple things here. And this morning, um, I'm just going to be real with you. And so this message is kind of going to be a little bit like, um, how do I want to put it? <laughs> kind of like taking a sleeping pill and a suppository at the same time. I just want to let it all out. There, some of you are getting that. Um, some of you didn't get that. Um, hey, I want to show you this, this picture here. And uh, this is, um, this was Easter. How many know this is what the Bridge Church is all about? Isn't this awesome? Yeah, come on. Um, we have great relationships with people. You know, you're building, maybe you're new here going, man, I'm, I'm having trouble get connected. Well, let us know. We want you to get connected. None of us here, whether it's staff or elders or whatever, want you to ever feel a part of not being connected to something that's bigger, okay? We want you to feel like there's always room for one more. I even tell our small groups, I say, um, make sure there's always an extra chair because we always want people to know there's always room for one more. That's the church in whom we serve and the God in whom we serve, and that's the church in what we're about. Um, this last week, I learned some statistics that kind of, blew my mind. And one of the statistics was this. Do you realize six and a half years ago, um, this crazy nerdy kid planted a church with his wife in St. Francis. And today um, we are still going strong. We're, we're getting ready to plant the church. We're, we're praying for God to continue to, to bless this church. We're seeing many people saved. We had over you know, 30 people give their life to Christ on Easter or recommit. This, this is awesome. God's not done with us, church. These are good things. And, and what I want to say this morning is this. Um, Here's what I learned last week, this statistic, 93%, 93%, 93%, that's huge, 93% of all plants, all church plants fail, 93% within the first five years. Guess what, church, we're going to be seven years old come September, and this is a strong church. So to God be the glory. It's not about us, it's about what he's doing, and so... Um, I'm excited. I want to share a little bit this morning. And, and if I have your permission, here's what I want to do. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I respect you. I want you to know that I want God to meet you right where you're at. Um, but I want to challenge us in a whole new way this morning. And do I have your permission for that? I want to have your permission because it might get a little dicey in here this morning. Is that okay with you? All right, cool. If it's not, there's donuts. You can go hang out in the floor. All right, you can come back in at the end. Um, here's the deal. Um, you can put that next slide up there, Levi. Uh, what I want to say is this, how many of you have ever, especially guys, said the wrong thing at the wrong time? You're like, it's been a few minutes, bro. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All right? And so I think we all say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I'll give you an example. Um, for me, it, you know, like if you're on an airplane, for example, and, uh, you know, it's raining out, and you say to somebody, man, it's really coming down. Okay, well, it's raining. It's, it's really coming down. Now, now, just don't get ahead of me, but think about this. You're on an airplane, right? And, and you're sitting next to somebody that's got a window seat, and, and you wait till they fall asleep, right? And you get, you get their little pillow, and they're all comfy next to their window seat, and, and no one would ever do this except me. And uh, you go next to them, and, and you wait till it's like porn, and you got like some bad turbulence or something, and you just grab them, and you go, hey, it's really coming down! You know, and they're like, Wrong time, wrong time to say that, right? Or what about this? What if you have kids, you got young kids, and, and you go into the bathroom, and, and uh, maybe, have you ever heard, 
you know, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, okay? Well, now, like, if you're watching kids or something, or you got a babysitter, and you walk in, and you're like, hey, babysitter, I got to just talk to you. I, I know you got everything figured out. You got the schedule for the kids, but hey, I just want to make sure you don't throw my baby out with the bathwater, and you leave. Well, you're going to jail, most likely, you know, child protective services are calling. It's the wrong thing at the wrong time. We'll give you one more example here. Guys can relate to this. Girls, just try to stay with me. Guys, how many guys are like hot tubbing? Where are my hot tub friends at? I've got one. We need to have like a hot tub party at church or something, man. They're awesome. Some of you guys are like, I'm not sitting in a tub with another stranger. I don't do that. Okay? Guys, maybe you can relate to this. If you have the shorts and you go into a hot tub, what happens if you just sit down really quick? Right? You got like just 90 pounds of air in your shorts. And so if you're there, if you're at a public hotel and you slip down into the water, well, what do you have to do? You got to get rid of that air somehow. So what do you do? You know, if there's people in there and, and you just kind of gently push to get the air out, and what happens? You know, Mount Hiroshima, here you go, right? And it's in those moments that you can say the wrong thing, you know? I was just trying to relieve the pressure, you know? Just try, you know no, I was just trying to make little, little tiny bubbles, that's all. And wrong time, wrong place, okay? So here's what I want to say. I, I didn't grow up church. I didn't start going to church until I was about 17. And some of the stuff I saw in church was crazy and weird and scared me half to death, okay? How many have ever been to church and something scared you? Okay, here's sometimes things get taken out of context or we have these things Christians say or these things pastors say. And, and one of them that we say a lot of times is we go up to somebody in the church and especially pastors and we get together with somebody that's about church growth and church movements and we start talking and, well, how big's your church and what are you guys doing? And we have these back and forth. And, and well, years ago while I was at church, the pastor there started talking about the harvest. Have you ever been in a church where they've talked about the harvest? Okay, they're talking, the, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest. I got so sick of hearing about the harvest. I was like, I'm done with the harvest. What's the harvest? What is this harvest? I don't even like farming, okay? Like, no, no harvest. And it'd be like, you know, they'd just come up to you and they'd like, they'd like fist bump you. They're like, you're gonna have a big harvest. I'm like, cool, what's, uh, all right, great, what's the harvest? And so I think sometimes without the right context of what it actually means, we lose sight of what God's intent really is. And so here's what I want to say this morning is this. If we look at the harvest, let me give you a scripture. We're going to take it out of context, and then we're going to put it right back in. So go ahead and you put that scripture up, Levi. Um, it says, look at the fields. Jesus' words, they are ripe for the harvest. John chapter 4, verse 35. But round of applause, who's heard this verse before? Okay, a lot of us. If you haven't, don't worry. I didn't hear this, this verse for like, you know, four years while I was at church. Look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Well, let's put this into context because what happens is we, especially as pastors or leaders, we're going, we're, we want to grow our church. We want to see God move in a community. We want to see all of that. The issue is we're not looking at it the right way. Let me, let me give you an example of what God's convicted me, and I pray that it would just convict you gently this morning, is this. Right before this, the first 34 verses in John chapter 4 before we get to verse 35 the last part of it is a woman and she's at this well here's what happens Jesus is on his way to Galilee and it says that Jesus has to go through Samaria familiar with the story of the good Samaritan you familiar with that story and it was the good Samaritan that stopped his Jewish brother and they should have nothing to do with each other Jews and Samaritans didn't want anything or any association they created them unclean and so they didn't stay next to him they didn't touch him at all and so Jesus it says in the text had 
to go through Samaria. He didn't necessarily have to go through it if you look on a map, but it says in the text, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so he's going through Samaria. His disciples leave him for a moment, and he shows up. How many remember this story? He shows up, and there's a well. Remember the story, the woman at the well? That's where we're going just for a moment because we're going to bring this into context for a moment. He's standing there with the woman at the well. And, and she comes up, and she's got her bucket, and she's all, you know, da-da-da. It's just dandy old day and just, you know, enjoying life like usual. And Jesus comes by, and it's noon, it says in the text. Midday, it's warm out. It's a beautiful area. You know, kind of looks, go back to that slide before here, Levi. Kind of looks like that, that harvest. But go back, but one more. There we go. Just beautiful, amber waves of grain, it's flowing, sun's, you know, bright and shine, it's midday, and, you know, some desert area, sure, and all of that. And, and she comes up with her bucket, and Jesus has the audacity to say to a Samaritan woman, hey, will you give me a drink? Will you bring me a drink? And she's like, yo, home slice. It's my version, okay, it's not in the Bible. All right, paraphrasing, bringing it, same message, we're just bringing it a little different. And she says, hey, um, I'm a Samaritan woman, you're a Jew. We're not supposed to associate with each other. What are you doing? What? what like what? And, and finally, Jesus is like, well, well bring, me a, bring me a drink. And she's like, dude, like, are, are you kind of crazy? You didn't even bring a bucket. You, know, you have nothing to fill up. And she's like, where, where's your bucket at? And Jesus says to her, says to her, you know what? I'm about the living water. I'm not about this water. And she's like, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? You're talking all crazy talk. And she's like, well, Okay, living water, fine. Well, where do I get this living water at? Where, where do I find it? And then Jesus, was Jesus really after a drink of water? No. What was Jesus after? Her heart. And so Jesus says to her, she says, I'll tell you what. I want you to go get your husband, and I want you to come back here, and I'll tell you where you can find this living water. And the lady's like, steps back, gets a little depressed, and says, you know, I, I will. Or she says, oh, I've got to bring my husband back. And Jesus says, you know, you don't have, this is your fifth husband. She says, you're right, you're right. Jesus gets into her heart. It's not her husband anymore. It's some other guy. She's been with five. She is, she's known, if you read in the text, I know it's Sunday morning, supposed to keep it PG, but she's known as a whore or a slut of the community. That's how she was known. That was the label that was put on her in Samaria. And Jesus says, go get your husband bring him back. I don't have a husband. You're right. You don't. You actually have five. The person you're with is not even your husband. She's like, obviously you're a prophet. You know what's up in my world. You know what's going on. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, okay, but I want to get to the heart issue. And she says, you know what? Someday, she says, someday there's Jesus, this Messiah, is going to come and he's going to explain everything to us. He's going to explain it all. And Jesus right there in the story says, I am he. I am he. And it says in the text that she goes back into town and tells everybody in town about this man. Think about it. Think about it. The one who's committed adultery. She's had five different husbands. Kind of the boy who cried wolf story here going on. She goes back to the town. And what's the first thing? If she came to us and that was the label she had, and she came up to us and said, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about him. I want to tell you about another guy that I met. I don't want to listen. What are you talking about? Jesus not only gets a hold of her heart, but gets a hold of the entire town. And it says later they give their entire lives to Jesus Christ. And so that's putting it into context. So afterwards, we show up with this scripture. Let's read through 
the rest of this context. Here we go. In the rest of it, you can read along with me. John chapter 4, verses 27 through 36. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. Here's the woman at the well. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, here it is, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Go on. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, okay, now now check it. The story kind of turns right here. And the disciples sometimes just need to be kicked. Okay? Don't they? The disciples drive you nuts sometimes when you read the stories. Like, are you guys, like, maybe you're going, I can relate, man. I'll be there, all right? Maybe we're a disciple. I don't know where you, who you fit in with in this story. But the disciples, they urge him. All this is going on. This lady's running back to town, and she's bringing the townspeople with her. And the disciples urge Jesus, teacher or rabbi in Jewish, eat something. It, Jesus, you look hungry, bro. I know you're doing ministry, but come on, man. Let's go grab some food. You eat something, okay? I have, Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, this is so comical, guys. Did, did, dude, did you bring him White Castle? Did, did, did you, is there a Chick-fil-A, like over there? Who, who, brought, who brought him food? Could, could someone have brought him food? Like, what, what's going on? Hey, Peter, what, what, check me out. You're closest to Jesus. You know, I, well, you are too, John. I, what, what's going on? Where did this food come from? What? They're, they're like dumbfounded. They have no idea what Jesus is talking about. They have no idea within the context of what the harvest actually was. Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Last verse. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. There's a couple things that are happening within these, this text. And this text has really messed me up in the last week. Like, totally different. I, I've never looked at this text the same since this last week. And I want to just share with you how this text has come alive to me in, in four different ways. Um, the first is this. We cannot reap what we don't recognize. We can't reap what we don't recognize. The disciples got it wrong. They did not realize what the harvest actually was. They didn't get it. They're like, hey man, we need to bring Jesus some food. Who cares? Who cares? What did Jesus care about? Was it just about the woman? Or was it about the entire town of Samaria? This is the entire town, right? The entire town that he was after. And Jesus used this situation to teach. And then he says this crazy saying, you know, you guys use this saying, well, isn't it still four months till harvest? Isn't it still four months? Don't we have time? Don't we have time to just wait around? We don't have to worry about the harvest. We just have to wait for it. Okay, we don't know exactly historically. I've, I've looked at commentaries and everything you can look at. No one will tell you what that saying means. Obviously, it's an agricultural saying. And I think what happens in today's, we want it now. We want the harvest now. We want to see people saved now. We want it to happen now. We want the church to explode. We want things to happen. We want to see people come to Christ right away. And it takes time and it takes patience. And what happens is we end up wanting an agricultural mindset, but we live in an app store world. That's what's taking place. The second is this. You cannot have clarity without context. You can't have clarity 
without context. Context was this woman was hurting. And Jesus realized it. Jesus met her right where she needed to be met. Put her context into place. And Jesus showed up and showed off and completely transformed her life. Did Jesus judge her, condemn her, tell her she's got to go through these nine steps? No, what did he do? He made her an evangelist. He made her an evangelist. So today, if you're here and you go, man, I'm living in sin. Careful, you might become an evangelist. Get it right now, or God's going to use you for other stuff, man. Figure it out now. But in the context of what was happening, now here's the last two things I want to share in regards to these two scriptures. One is this, and this was the mind shift that I had. This is like kind of mind shift for me. And that's this. How many of you grew up on a farm, a real farm, not, a, not like, a, you know, like a real farm? Okay. Quite a few of us. We live in somewhat of an agricultural society, community here. Now, farming, there's, there's what, what do you have to do? You go out and you start, I was not a farmer, and I can't garden or squat, but I can grow watermelon, whatever. You go out and you till the ground up, right? You make sure the ground's ready to go. You can't do it too early in the season. You don't want to do it too late in the season. And so you go and you till up the ground and then you take the seeds and you plant the seeds, you know, and now it's machinery that does it and goes alongside. And then after the seeds are planted, then what's next? Water and you have the sprinklers go on it. You take care of the seed and and you fertilize it. Make sure no weeds get in there and all that. And all of a sudden that little tiny thing you planted into the ground, it starts growing and you start seeing it increase every year or every, every month, every day, every week. Not every year. And then not Minnesota, unless it's a tree. Then what happens is after all this is done, Jesus says in the agriculture mindset, there's still four months to harvest. Then it's harvest. And this is what we get wrong as Christians, and I want you to stay with me right now. This is my challenge to you. What we get wrong is this. We go, God, we've been farming. We've been giving it everything. Man, we've been going at it. It's been hard work. Man, I tell you what, I go and I invite my neighbors to come to church with me, and they've said no 18 times. And Jesus, you keep telling me to invite them, and I keep doing it, and it doesn't seem like it's working the way that I want or the way that I think it should, and it's not happening as quick as I want it to. And we go, oh, but man, I can't wait. I can't wait because eventually, one day, totally out of context, we're going to see a what? A harvest. You know what the hardest part of farming is? The harvest. It's the hardest part. Why? Because you go out, you got to gather the crops, you got to figure out how to sell them, how to trade them. And so when Jesus is looking at the harvest, he's not going, man, just wait because eventually you're going to have the harvest and that's going to be easy. See, that's what I used to think, and that's so wrong biblically. God completely changed my context and the way I looked at the scripture. We have to go, well, man, we did everything, now God, we've arrived. Do we ever arrive? No, we don't ever arrive. And so God says, now continue on. Now you've harvested. And what happens when you harvest? What do you do with some of those seeds? You replant them. Thank you. You put them back in the soil. Guess what happens? This is called discipleship, guys. Okay? This is what happens over and over. This was the model that God gave us. This totally just wrecked me. And I wanted to share this with you this morning. Here's the second part, and stay with me. The second part, I believe is what Jesus and his disciples did. And this is what they did. Jesus is looking out, at, out here, okay? And he's looking out, and he goes and he says, he says, look at the harvest. Look at it. It's ripe. His fields are ripe 
for the harvest. Hey, they're ripe. They're ripe. And he's looking out. And he keeps looking out. And, and you have the disciples. You got to catch this. And the disciples are going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, man, look at these amber waves of grain. Look at these these incredible sunset right now, man, it's coming down. We've been out here for hours, Jesus, while you were waiting for all these townspeople to get back. And Jesus is like, hey, Peter, James, John, you got, I don't, I'm not sure you're getting all this. Do you see the harvest? Do you see the harvest? And Peter, James, John, the disciples, they're looking out and they're going, well, yeah, yeah, I do, Jesus. But, but there's all these people in the way. Would you want to be Jesus right then? <laughs> you know? Come on, man, really? Because we think, well, oh, it's that lush ground. It's the, it's the prosperous life in America. It's our dream. It's not, not going to be hard anymore. You know, churches, and, and I want to confess to you today, sometimes it's like, you know what? God, I, 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 I hope that someday ministry becomes easier. It doesn't get easier. The more people that come to know Christ, the more people we got to figure out how to train. We got to tweak things that we're doing that maybe we're not doing that great at church. We got to figure those things out. It doesn't make it easier. It makes it more challenging, and that's why I married my wife. I wanted a good challenge. So there you go, right? That's all fun. I love her very much. Please know that. Some of you were afraid to laugh. You're like, your wife's going to kill me. Jesus, there's all these Samaritans in the way. What we have to look at is the Samaritans. You see this? This is the harvest that God calls us to here. This is our harvest. Now, I want to give you three last things as I close this message. So what do we do? How do we harvest? I want to give you three real practical things this morning. This is how you harvest. Number one, you love God. That's so simple. Uh Uh-huh. Disciples got it wrong. Love God. How do we do that? It means that we're fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Are you fully devoted? Are you a follower of Jesus? Is your life worth imitating? If it is, then yeah, you're a fully follower. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. If not, if you're living in sin, you got crap you got to deal with, deal with it. Stop waiting around for a pastor to smack you. Just deal with it. You know, when you're reading the word and something pops out at you and you're like, oh, not today. Are you flipping kidding me? God's speaking to you. Allow him to speak to your heart. He's transforming you, just like Jesus transformed the Samaritan woman. And guess what? It wasn't about the woman. It was about an entire town being saved. It's bigger than us. Second thing is this. Love people. Love people. Grace commandment, love God. Second is love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor, same word for enemy. Pastor, I've been inviting people left and right all the time. I continue to invite them and and it's just not working. Don't give up. Jesus won't give up. Pray. Pray that God starts tilling that soil that he's calling you to plant his seed. We're not the seed, he is within their heart. You see, if you go back to the story of the woman at the well, Jesus didn't have a bucket for an exact specific reason. Do you know why? Figured it out. He didn't have a bucket because the woman at the well was the bucket. 
She was the bucket that Jesus wanted to pour his life into. So we're called to love people. Now, how do we do that? How do we love people? Well, I can tell you how not to. And, and one of the things that takes place as we grow, people see more need in our church. As we grow, as we see more impact within our community, people see other things that, that need to take place. And so I, I want to share with you a pet peeve. Do I have your permission to share with you a pet peeve? Okay, here's my pet peeve. When somebody comes up to me from our church and says, I'm not, I'm not trying to be con- condemning, just hear my heart, I'm being real with you right now. And somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor, man, we need to do more discipleship in our church. You are right. So what's your plan, bro? Man, Pastor, we need, we need this, that, and the other thing. I will support you however we can. We're a church of about 150 people right now. I cannot physically disciple every single one of us. I can't do it. There's other seeds that have been harvested, and there's a reason. Some of you have some gift sets that are just starting to be opened and harvested. Let God harvest those things. Let God open your heart to what that is. Maybe you're going, man, I, you know what I would love? I'm, can I just be, I'm just being really transparent with you this morning. What I would really love more than anything else, and, and I'm not saying this, it can't happen this way, but you know what I would love is that during one of the Sunday mornings sometime, which we want to create a great experience for everybody Sunday morning, I would love for somebody to come up to me at the end of service one day, maybe it's a teenager, maybe it's an adult, maybe it's somebody going, I'm not happy, and they say to me, they say, Pastor, I feel like God's calling me to, to plant a church or to lead a ministry. Wouldn't it be cool if the person that we planted was from our church? I would love that. I would love that. No one's come to me yet, but please do, if that's you. Or maybe you're going, you know what? I, I'm not called to full-time ministry. I'm called to go start this business, but I'm scared to death to do it. We, man, we want to support you. We want you to go start it. There's a reason, and it's not about you. It's about the people that you're going to be in a circle with. It's those people. Number three, here's the last one. And before I get to number three, Pastor Matt, you told me if I started preaching, my message is memorized. Um, you guys would do that with worship music. So anyway, um, <clears throat> number three. I just had to give you a little challenge. I love you, bro. I love you guys either way. You guys are awesome. Last one is this. First, love God. Second, love people. And number three, don't do anything stupid. I live by these three principles, man. Don't do anything stupid. Let me give you an example of doing something stupid. Some of you are like, you don't have to. I've got plenty. You know, I'm married to... No, don't say that. Don't say that. We have a lot of people within our community that come to this church. We're a community-based church. We're praying that our reach goes even greater than that. But right now, we have many people that come and call this their church home. And some of those people work for our city. Some of those people work for our city. Some of them you voted for. Some of them you didn't. But I pray to God, no matter what side you're on, you don't do anything stupid. And when they come in, we welcome them with open arms, even if it's somebody you completely disagree with. And you say, hey, man, we just want to love on you. We're glad you're here and mean it. Because people's BS meter nowadays is pretty high, you know what I mean. And so we want to come up and we want to say, hey, you're welcome in this place, man. We love you. How can I be praying for you? And don't even ask them, how can I be praying for you? Say, I am praying for you. And don't pray in your own agenda, but pray what God wants to do in their hearts. 
The other thing is this. Not only are our community city officials, we, ha- we have council members that attend our church and it's part of our church now. We have former mayors that this is their church. We have people that consider this church. Now I want to say something that might be a little scary to you. And I'll invite the worship team up in just a moment. I'm not here to pastor you. God did not call me to pastor the Bridge Church. God called me to pastor this community. And so I'm asking you to walk alongside, to hold my hands up, and to be hands and feet with me as we reach this community. Some of you are starting businesses in this community. Some of you have started businesses in this community. Some of you have had to stop businesses in this community. Some of you have moved away from this community, yet God still pulls this community on your heart for a reason. What's the eternal reason? You know. You know. The last one is we have a lot of people, and I'm looking at some of them right now, that are sitting here right now this morning from our school district. If it wasn't for our school district, we'd be but a speck on the map in St. Francis. And so I want to say this. The same goes with the city officials. When they come in here, whether they're counselors at the high school or whether they're principals at an elementary school or whether the district superintendent chooses to come to the Bridge Church, I pray that when they do, no matter what side of the bond issue you're on, I could care less. And you know what? They probably could too because they just need people to do life with that are going to love them right where they're at. Can I hear a good amen? So let's lift them up. Love God. Love people. Don't do anything stupid. Real simple. That's the way I live my life. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up here. This is where I'm at. Next week, <clears throat> for today and next week, <clears throat> I want to pause God of the Underdogs for two weeks. And next week, again, have some serious, huge news that I'm very excited about to share with our church. And, and with that, next week we're going to pause God of the Underdogs as well. And I just want to kind of continue just one more bit uh, of this message that I want to share next week. And it's, so once you harvest, once that takes place, then what? Yeah, love God, love people, don't do anything stupid, but how does that look? And I really want to lay that out next week. And so be here for that. So would you do this? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.